The following podcast contains coarse language and adult themes. This week on the show, flashback to 2009 as Alan Moore and Dave Gibbons' magnum opus finally makes it to the silver screen thanks to a little-known CrossFit-doing music video director. It's super slow-mo, apocalyptic superhero shit with a massive blue dick flying around, and I do mean that literally. That's right, we're talking Watchmen. I'm Riggs. That's a werewolf, and this is the Filmatics Podcast. Hey folks and welcome back to the Filmatics Podcast. I'm here with uh, my good friend, The Werewolf. What's going on, The Werewolf? Just eating shit. <laughs> Just eating shit? Fantastic. That's what I like to hear from my werewolves, my lycanthropy folk. Um, we're here. We're doing it. We're talking Watchmen. Um, not the TV show, and uh, uh, you know, that, which is great. We might touch on a little bit, but we're going to talk about the movie from 2009. A Zack Snyder joint, which he did immediately after 300. Uh, I haven't watched that movie in a long time. I'm told it doesn't age well, but then again, neither do human beings, so fuck it. Um, <laughs> it's true. We get all wrinkly and grey. Uh, but before we get into any of that business, how are you, sir? What's going on with you? I'm doing okay. I'm just eating a lot of people. I was Okay, you went... Back to your normal voice, and I wasn't sure if we were still doing the bit, but we're still doing it. We're still doing it. I'm just eating a lot of people. <laughs> Dangerously close to blood axe, mate, but whatever. That's totally fine. What? <laughs> Sound like Tim the Toolman Taylor for anybody out there who's over the age of 30. Um, but you, you're well, you're well, you're well. I'm well. Multiplied by three. Multiplied by three. The best, the best How time. You? How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm 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 busy. Uh, started a new big editing contract, so I'm I'm, I'm feeling creatively jazzed. I had a great shoot on the weekend. Um, uh, I've got another another awesome shoot coming up um, next week or two next week. Um, yeah, I'm feeling good. We're I've got a pretty polished second draft of this screenplay that I'm working on with a producer, and we're gonna try and. You know, get some funding for that stuff and all that good shit that I like to do that everybody knows that I like to do. But what I really like to do when we're here in this space is talk about movies with my good friend Addy. And uh, in order to be able to do that, to get to where we need to get to, we've got to do our segments. And one of our segments is, what are we watching? <laughs> That's right, we're going to sing it from now on and fuck you. Um, not fuck you, thanks for coming along. Uh, so what are we watching? Adia, what are you watching at the moment? What's been going on for you? Because I've been busy as shit. Um, I watched Guardians last last night. Oh, it's the third one? Yep. Hey, just give me a shot, because we're going to do an episode on it in a couple of weeks' time, with pe- perhaps a little surprise involved. Um, James Gunn's not coming on or anything. But then again, I mean, James, if you're listening... Yeah, I mean, if, if drop, any... Drop if, us a line. If anyone in fucking Hollywood would listen to this shit, it's James Gunn. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I think if if we're gonna uh, if we're talking about target audiences as far as big time Hollywood directors go, Marty Scorsese's a bit busy to listen to this shit. Um, yeah, but uh, we, we're gonna do an episode on. Give me like like a couple of sentence. How is it? Um, if you're an animal lover, go go get fucking stack of tissues before you go go and watch this movie. Oh, terrific! He says to the fucking vegan. <laughs> But yeah, it was, um, it's, um, 
it gave me a connection to the MCU that I, that I felt like it was lacking in the entirety of Phase Four. Yeah, which I is, think a lot of people feel that way. Yeah, which is probably because I've known these characters and grew up with them, and it's 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 a bittersweet kind of movie, but it's also like it's a cool classic space adventure, Guardians. Yeah, style. yeah, and it's. I mean, yeah, go on. Sorry, now you go. I was just saying that it's so much better of an adventure film than fucking Quantum Mania and uh, Hard Love and Thunder. Yeah, I mean, let's let's not mince words here. We're not a um, we're not a negative podcast. We're we're a, a almost irritatingly positive podcast. To be perfectly honest, that's that's the words that have been used to describe it. Anyway, um, uh, not any reviews or anything, but just some people come to this stuff for for you know actual. Uh, 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 what do you call it? Um, sort of film criticism, but I don't think we do that very well. But I will say, phase four, or whatever phase this is, is this phase four or this, five? This is five. We started five with Quantum Mania. Five. Okay, so start of five and most of four, pretty, pretty disjointed to say the least. Um, you know, maybe we're curbing it in. I don't know. But I mean, this is the Guardians have always felt a little bit outside of all of that. Because they were so contained. I mean, I know that they did play a, a fairly sizable role, particularly in, particularly, particularly in um, Infinity War. But they, they, there is a, a an autonomy that they had because James Gunn is probably the only really significantly stylistic director that they have. And we'll get into stylistic directors when we talk more about Zach. But um, he, this feels like yeah, a lot of slow mo. But this feels like the end of something whereas uh uh you know quantumania certainly didn't seem like the end of something it seemed like the best, the start of a whole bunch of shit so um but yeah like we'll talk about it at length when we get to it anything else you've been watching um watch the super mario brothers movie which is cute <laughs> oh, they, they use like early early 2000s late 90s songs and i was fucking jamming yeah, man. It was that's the target because these these the people who are going to go and see this movie are either the people my age used to play Super Mario Brothers and have kids, or they're people like your age who were kids when like the the original sort of Mario Island or whatever it's called, like when they were the the, the newer generations of Nintendo consoles or whatever started to come out. Um, did, did you play much Mario Brothers back in the day? Not really. I always I was more of a Tetris and and a Pac-Man kind of person. And and yeah, and and Mortal Kombat because you, you have to scream it when you say Mortal. You can't just say Mortal Kombat. You've got to go Mortal Kombat. Woo! I can't believe that was a song. Like, how many movies shout their name at the intro? Like, it literally in that movie, that that fucking fantastically stupid movie, they shout it. At the beginning of the... The title hasn't even come up. It's the fucking logo of the company. And it's just this dude shouting... And, and that band, The Immortals, they never have to write another song in their life. They're, they're all good with just that one. Um, wow, we're remarkably off the track. Was was Mario Brothers good, is the question? Yes, it was It was good. If you want a fun time, go watch it. Although it's going to be like... It's made a billion dollars. It might stay in theaters yeah. for like a couple of weeks more. Yeah. I'd say so. Yeah, but yeah, uh, Guardians was good. Mario Brothers was surprisingly good. I did watch Renfield though. Okay, which that is the 
Jack, uh, Jack Nicholson, I said then. Um, Nick Jackelson. Yep. Uh, yep. No, Nicholas Cage and uh, Nicholas Holt. Yep. Two Nicholases, no waiting. Um, it, it, how is it? And Aquafina, by the way. Isn't that one as well? Oh, okay. I, di- I didn't know she was in that. Yeah, I haven't seen it, obviously. Yeah, it's 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 great. It's it's gore and it's Nicholas Cage's Dracula. What the fuck else do you want? Yeah, I mean, a lot of people have been waiting for that shit. Um, and the dude is... Uh, Wow, he's just a spectacular oddity, isn't he? He is. Yeah, it's Holly weird for you, even though I don't like that phrase. Um, anything else that you might have been watching? Uh, no, not really. No, that's about it. Um, well, me, me, myself, and I, um, have been watching not much because I have been busy. Um, so when I get home from from work, like, what are you doing? The little dance there for? To the, the me, myself, and I. Beatles oh right, okay. I'm looking at me like trying to find my thing. Oh yeah, um, I watched uh, I watched Watchmen. Obviously, I watched the Ultimate Cut as well, which is that's the like only cut three I watched. Hours and Thirty-five minutes. Yeah, it's got the um, uh, the the cartoon pirate yep. story in it that's sort of intercut with the boy reading the comic, and that happens in the in the Watchmen graphic novel as well. Um, yeah, I dig it. I, I like long format stuff like uh, Doctor Sleep. I watched the director's cut of that, which is three hours or whatever. Like, I like seeing those. You know what? What? What is it? What is it in in its longest form? And, and then see what they remove to kind of be like, where does the narrative stub its toe and, and all that kind of stuff? So I did watch that. Um, I watched a Terence Malick film called The Thin Red Line, which was uh, is a, a two thousand and a two thousand. <laughs> It's a World War Two picture, um, uh, set in uh, uh, sort of like the the uh, Pacific conflict. Amazing cast, amazing picture. It's just before Terence Malick went full, like he was he, where he was still concerned with narrative before he went completely poetic, um, and was just making yeah like two hour tone poems. Uh, really, really great film. And I rewatched Spotlight as well um, from uh, I think it was two thousand and fifteen Academy Award winner. Um, about the the Boston Globe uh, investigative um, reporting team known as Spotlight, um, who looked into uh, uh, the um, you know the pedophilia in the Catholic Church, and um, that movie is just it's perfect. It's it, there is nothing miss out of place in that movie. It's a perfect script. It's it's handled so well. It's directed so well. The score's fantastic. The acting is is next level. Um, yeah, it's it, it just such a wonderful film. And I, I, I go back to it, you know, once a year or something like that, just because it is, it's a, it's a masterclass of storytelling elegance. Um, it just handles its act structure so well. And, you know, the, the beats of information um, really, really land and, and without being, without not like they're trying to feed you information. Like I love, I love exposition. Expository dialogue is one of my favorite things to write. I just, I don't know why. It's whenever, like in Buffy the Vampire Slayer, every single time Giles opened his mouth, I was like, ooh, what's he got to say for himself? Because it's always explaining like where some fucking weird demon with tits comes from. Um, <laughs> look at your face. And uh, and the other thing I watched on Sunday night was not a movie, but I went with a bunch of mates to go and see a band called Sleep Token. Now, Sleep Token are a, a, a prog rock, a sort of prog rock band uh, from the UK. Um, nobody knows who they are. They all wear masks. They're clearly young, uh, just based on the content of their songs. But they they have transcended genre. 
in that the people in that room couldn't have been more diverse. There was every age bracket, every um, uh, 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 cultural personality, multicultural personality, um, every sexual identity, every gender was represented by this crowd. And we're all there for the same reason. We're all watching. It was a beautiful, you know, experience. No talking between songs. Um, you know, it was just the, the just their their hardest hitting tracks, um, and and it was yeah, it was like going to church. It was just such a beautiful, uh, like I re- I felt euphoric at one point. It was that powerful, and um, you know, you transcend a genre when every single person in like it's a prog rock band. This shouldn't be the case when every single person in that crowd knows the lyrics. And we're all singing along. And the encore that the lead singer... The lead singer's got one of the most interesting voc, uh, vocal ranges and one of the most interesting vocal performances I've ever heard. It's so... It sounds like something you've heard before, but just slightly different, like from an alternate dimension. And he came on and did a, 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 just him, a piano and three backing singers of um, a, a song as, a, as an encore. And it sounded like he was crying. Like he's clearly... The music's heartbreaking and he's clearly very passionate about it. And... Um, yeah, because they don't talk between songs or whatever, because it might give away who they are, I guess, I don't know. As he left, he just sort of, you know, put his hands up to the crowd to sort of say thank you. And then he did the little, the two hands heart thing and everybody in the crowd did it. And it was just, it was special. If you get an opportunity, just go on Spotify or, or YouTube or whatever. They've got some great film clips, like really inventive film clips. Um, their most recent stuff, uh, The Summoning and Chokehold, are, uh, some, of the best, some of the best songs I've ever heard. Um, so yeah, that was, that was kind of the big thing that I watched this week was these amazing enigmatic musicians just get on stage and completely own an entire room of people, uh, you know, that, that, that are a cross section of humanity from end to end. It was just, it was spectacular. Sleep token, check them out. Amazing, man. So that's, that's that. That's what we've been watching. Do you want to do, do we do do it? I did it again. I did it last week too. I completely fucked up saying, do you want to do nerd news? And I just went, (laughs) slowly but surely becoming Jim Carrey in 1994. Do you want to do the nerd news? Let's do nerd news. Sydney Sweeney's a babe. Yeah. Sorry, she's just she is. She's a total babe. I just went on to um, yeah. Uh, yeah, my, my Instagram to like pull up stories, the things that I've saved to talk about. And Sydney Sweeney came up and she is just such a babe. Yeah. Um, I mean, everybody in that show is. When, okay, so what's that? Yeah, you can cut this out. But when like when the pictures of uh, Glenn Paul and Sydney Sweeney came out, me and Leanne talked about it and we were like, yeah, they're fucking. They're but- of course, they're two stunningly beautiful people in Hollywood. Let them fuck. Like, why not? It's like in that the the Godzilla movie. Let them fight. Let them fuck. Or okay, just or like, in the tra- or, or in the Transformers trailer where Optimus Prime goes. <laughs> yes, let them both come. Um, <laughs> I might leave that in. I don't know. This is season two. So here we fuck it. <laughs> this is season two. Fuck it. If you're here, you're here. You know what I mean? Like, you know what the score is at this point. We can only get further. And we said we promised it would be dirtier. We absolutely promised that. So, um, But what's not dirty is nerd news. I mean, there might be a dirty story. I don't know. Uh, firstly, apparently the Fantastic Four cast will be announced next week uh, and, and, and rumoured to be 
in the offing uh, are Adam Driver, Antonio Bandaras, and Jodie Colmer uh, in in as yet unnamed roles. I would say you're looking at Reed Richards, uh, 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 Sue Storm, and uh, and Victor Von Doom. There, what do you reckon? Yeah, there's also one you missed, which is Paul Mescal as the Human Torch. Shut up! Shut yeah. your fucking mouth! What? No. <laughs> yes, he's been. Oh my apparent, god! Apparently, he's been offered that role. Someone s- said something the other day. It was a um, who's the 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 young woman who was the 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 blonde haired dragon person in in uh, Game of Thrones? Oh 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 shit! Amelia Clark. Amelia Clark. Yes, I think someone said that was the possibility of it being like instead of being Benjamin Grimm, it would be. You know, a female name and grim, and they were going to do it, do it that, and someone lost their fucking mind about it. I can't remember who we were talking to. Was it was it, in some chat that we we're in, and we were talking. To was it that, or it. was yeah. it, or was it that the uh, that the thing might be uh, the girl from uh, uh, what's that? It's Ashton Kutcher's. Oh, Mila Kunis. Yes, that's right. It wasn't Mila Kunis. I got in, I got confused with another small, petite, attractive-looking woman. Um, yeah, no, you're right. It was the Kunis. Yeah, and uh, which sounds like something you get uh, when you go on holiday and don't don't take the medication they tell you to. What happens? Yeah, I went to I went to Botswana and got the Kunis. Um, and yeah, I mean, part. like I don't I don't give a shit. Like uh, you know. Yeah whatever like try try new things but i think you know if you're looking at that that casting there driver and banderas and coma that's sort of what you think antonio banderas is victor von doom you can fucking take my money that guy's a pimp next 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 top gun maverick director joseph i can't pronounce his last name <laughs> no koskinski koskonski kosinski nuf nuf koskinski ski 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 yep <laughs> Okay. He is directing a Formula One picture with Brad Pitt in it, which will have um, uh, uh, him doing, like Brad Pitt doing real Formula One race car driving. And Tom Cruise has already offered to do some stunt driving for them if they need him. Because, of course, um, you know, yeah, the of uninsurable course, of Tom Of course, Cruise. Brad Pitt and Tom Cruise look the same way. <laughs> no, I don't think they're doing that. I think they're just like, you know, he, Tom Cruise wants to get behind the wheel and, and, and that's a good way to do it, I guess. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm down for whatever that guy did. He, he put together a magnificent picture. Um, just, yeah, Top Gun Maverick, one of the best blockbusters um, in recent memory. So I'll, I'll, I'll check out whatever. And Brad Pitt's great. I mean, I, I know there's not a lot of love for this movie out there. World War Z, um, there's kind of like a a societal obligation to hate that movie. And I don't really know why. Like I watched it the other night and it's perfectly serviceable zombie picture. Yeah. In fact, it's, it's kind of interesting in, in, in that it looks at a, like the global, cause normally those, those kind of things, like you look at the walking dead or dawn of the dead or any of those things, you know, the, the last of us, they're, they're localized. They're p- contained in a certain area. This is a global thing. Like he ends up in Israel and uh, Southeast Asia and, um, uh, sorry, South, uh, South Korea rather. Um, and then back, you know, back to the States and all that stuff. Like it's, I think, and then there's a big thing at the end where he like drinks a Pepsi before fucking whatever happens. And people are like, that's, that is hideous product placement, but whatever. I mean, Jesus Christ, there's in the t- Transformers movies, there's literal Mountain Dew 
fucking uh, 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 dispenser machines turning into robots. Like that's that's what happens. That's how people that's how people make money in order to make movies. So maybe maybe don't worry about it. Um, speaking about movies that would have made money, fuck Clint Eastwood was originally meant to play the older Bruce Wayne in the now cancelled Batman Beyond film. And fuck, I wish they hadn't reported that. I want to slide into that dimension with Jerry O'Connell. You kidding me? I Batman Beyond is one of those things where it is it's amazing as it is, but if it's if it's translated to film, it would be something that has never been done before. Like mm. because it's it, it has so much that you could that it will automatically be one of the best if done right, one of the best things. And Clint Eastwood as Bruce Wayne in that would have that would have been insane. There was always talk about that when he was in his sort of, you know, 50s or, or you know, late 50s, early 60s or whatever. So, you know, a better part of 20 or 30 years ago now that he would be the perfect Batman if they ever did a proper, like, full-on translation of The Dark Knight Returns, the Frank Miller book. You know, that's, that's you know, that, that, that was always the promise. Um, but it just would have been interesting. And, you know, you do that like it's a Blade Runner 2049, but with Batman. That's exactly what I was going to say. Yeah, that's that's how you do it. Not the original Blade Runner because that's a little bit too gritty. But forty nine is just that like the tech is up a little bit. It's a bit more neon. Um, yeah, the architecture is kind of similar. Like I would, yeah, that that would have been absolutely baller. But hey, there's an alternate dimension there where we can go and peep that as uh, alternate versions of ourselves, where I'm Indian and you're Australian. Um, <laughs> sure. <laughs> just bodies. We do body swap. We do a Freaky Friday and just see what happens. Um, next one, very excited about this. This is really great. Um, congratulations to Jim Lee, uh, who has been promoted to president, publisher, and chief creative officer at DC Comics. Well done, Jim. Um, uh, congratulations. Uh, you're a class act. Uh, your, your, your contributions to the, the, the art form, uh, you know, and, and, and the business of comic books, uh, if nothing short of, of spectacular, um, for nearly 40 years. Um, so to be in that position now, especially with the the, the move forward in media, um, with James Gunn's new plans and everything, it, it it can only be good. It can only be good things. Um, he's such a genuine human being, uh, such a lovely, gentle soul on this planet, and such a beautiful talent. Um, yeah, good on you, mate. I'm 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 proud of you, Jim. You've come a long way. I remember I remember back in the day, X Men issue one, and uh, and then all that weird shit that you did. Gen six, Gen thirteen, and what was the other one? Divine right, um, where it was like this dude named Faraday, and it was all mystical and shit, and that that very very strange run you did with with Frank Miller on Batman and Robin, or the All Star Batman and Robin, where Batman was kind of like a fucking incel. It was weird and terrible, but God, you drew the shit out of it. So bless your heart. Um, there was there was two two more things finally here. One is really really quickly the newest Flash trailer came out. And they're giving away the farm uh, as they typically do. But what were you going to say? Oh, no, I just, I didn't know which Flash you were talking about. The Flash. Yeah. Uh, well, the- Savior of the Universe. <laughs> See, it's happening. Like, the, the Flash, like, the last season's coming out as well. But, like, yep. it's it's on air. So, like, they do trailers every, every week. So, I, do, I didn't know which yeah. one you were talking about. Yeah, right. Okay. Um, well, I'm just, I only bring it up because there's a still that Warner Brothers um, Australia posted on the Instagram account. I'm not, I don't follow them. It just popped up because I, I, you know, it's algorithmically it works. 
Everybody looks like they're wearing plasticine, but that's not the point. The point is there's two flashes in it, right? At least two flashes, both played by Ezra Miller. One of them, and I didn't know that, notice this until I saw a still of it, is wearing a like re-outfitted version of the Batman costume from Michael Keaton's Batman Returns, but it's got like painted flash. Yeah, it's like the, like the... It's the cowl with the ears cut off yep. and it's got over the bat, it's got the, the symbol of like, I just thought that was going to be a marketing, you know, piece that they did that, but it's the actual thing because it's got the grills, like where his abs should be as opposed to the sculpted thing. He's got like a vent or whatever the hell is going on there. He's got, you know, he's got one of those things that you put salad in and then you just pull the string and it turns and then the salad gets dry. One of those things. <laughs> salad spinner or whatever. I just thought it was weird. And and a little bit of a, I don't know how on board I am with that. I don't, I don't know, but apparently this is truly the best superhero movie ever. Believe the hype. That was um, at the real soups on on uh, on Jeez, Twitter. Yes. Said that. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. No, no no judgment either way. But I think we need to talk about just real quickly, and then we'll get into the bulk of the episode. Dune Part Two. <laughs> Thank fuck! Thank fuck! The because trailer, you... the try. That's why I left it to the end. Oh, so I thought you forgot, man. Of course not. What am I, a fucking savage? No, it's um, you know, suitably sandy, um, and and just I mean, come on, it's gonna be outrageous. It's it's the film that will get Danny Villeneuve his his Dune trilogy, and I'm, I'm so hyped. So it'll give what so it'll give him his what it will give him his dune trilogy it's it's supposed to be a trilogy you think yeah because i mean i know shit the red yeah but yeah i mean anything so much of life has 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 a three-act structure you know life in of itself has a three-act structure movies do you know uh just the seasons there's 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 four of them but there's a four-act structure in in you know a lot of movies as well but things people like things in uniformity you know true but like i just i, w- I was like when it when it aired live i was in it and i was crying and then I was like, fuck, I need to watch it again. And I watched it again. And then I was crying again. And then I watched it the third time. I was like, oh my fucking God. What are we going to do? <laughs> as soon as they show um, uh, Florence Pugh and um, uh, the young kid who played Elvis, what's his name? Austin, uh, Austin Butler. Austin Butler as um, Fage. Fage or whatever they go. Like, fucking yep. Yes to all of those things. Um, I'm very excited for it. We're doing, we're going to do an episode on it. Um, Dune was like our fourth episode or whatever. Yeah. So just, it's going to be a big one. It's going to be a big one. Um, great. Well, that was the nerd news. Oh, one more thing to Ooh, say. Oh, did I miss one? Uh, no, I do have one more thing to say though. Like, okay. About the Dune 2 trailer. I, I love it. I just, I'm not fully on board with Austin Butler as Fade because I need to hear him speak. Yeah, that'll that'll make a huge difference. If he sounds like Elvis, it's gonna take you out of the drama a little bit. Because like all the scenes that 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 he's in, at least on the trailer, are full black and white, Mm. and and there's a reason for that, which I'm not gonna fucking tell. But I'd say it's probably so that they don't reveal certain palettes and 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 you know um, graphical changes that that are gonna mean something that have meaning. So in the movie they'll be colored, but. 
Or maybe it's a flashback, I don't know. Yeah, like I thought it was a flashback too, but then he's in he's in like an, he's in a shot with another character that's going to be introduced. But yeah, I although like yeah, I was really surprised by the the fan reaction against like Florence Pugh because people did not know that who she was playing. She's playing the daughter of the Emperor. Of course, she's going to be fucking bad. Oh, you mean, sorry, they were upset that she's playing a villain. No, like they they did not know that she that she had like an antagonist character. So, like, a few people are just fucking mad that they're, like, women in, in like, everything. So, <laughs> a few people... Do you hear that in the internet? A few people are a little bit mad that there are women in everything. That's a lot of the internet. That's a lot of the internet, and fuck them. Fuck them all. That's, that's why we're in here. Their, in their stupid... Yeah, exactly, in their stupid incel faces. Um, yeah, I mean... Like I said, I've said it before, people think they have ownership over this stuff and they don't. You you rent it for the price of a movie ticket and, you know, it's like going to Blockbuster. You, you rent something, you don't know what it is, you take it home and it sucks. Like, well, maybe it sucks for you and then for someone else it's the best thing that's ever been created. So just sit back and, and, and keep your mouth shut. <laughs> well, that's not true. I mean, people are allowed to express their opinion, but I do feel like there are agendas going on there more yeah. than anything else. Um, you know, if you have a legitimate problem with with Florence Pugh being in that movie, wait till the movie comes out and then write, write me a review that, you know, it, it stands up to that position. Otherwise, what are we doing? Um, speaking of things that are divide, divisive, oh. to say the least. <laughs> Jesus, man. Zack Snyder's Watchmen, and and I'll just say this straight up, it's one of the strangest um, uh, 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 things I've ever seen on Letterboxd. Because I track movies on Letterboxd. Addy knows this, but other people might not. On Letterboxd, I track movies so that I keep a list of what I'm watching and, you know, what number it is and when it was and blah, blah, blah. Just for myself. Occasionally, I write a little quirky review because I'm adorable. And... um, (laughs) And then, uh, uh, you know, I, I log it there. But I, t- I typically have a look at what other people have kind of, you know, said, or at least their star rating. I don't really like the star rating system because it's it's very definitive. But anyway, um, man, talk about disparity. Like, it's it's either people think this is the best movie that's been ever made or that it's literal human shit. <laughs> yep. <laughs> if, you, if you go on Letterboxd, you can find those two reviews where people say that it's the best thing ever made. And there's someone, yeah. there's someone who's like done like a, a half star rating because that's the lowest you can go on Letterboxd. You can't do no. I think you can do no stars, but that just seems like you're not representing because nothing comes up. Yeah. But but if you do a half, it's like, I think I've done that before for a movie. It was like this half a star is because, you know, it, you it had opening Thor, credits or something. You know what I mean? Thor, Love this and is Thunder. such a shitty film. Thor, yeah, Thor, Love and Thunder. Um, but yeah, I, I mean... Probably the jumping off point here would be um, just to talk about Zach real quickly. Yep. Um, we've, we've discussed him before. There is something... There's something missing from modern day cinema and, and, and anything that's popular as well. I, I don't just mean, um, uh, you know, Marvel movies in particular or DC movies in particular or blah, blah, blah. I'm talking about most movies. And I think it's okay the advent of like computer generated effects and things like that there is kind of a blanket it's almost like a house style like ant-man quantumania is a perfect example of it it is movie by committee it is a it is a a canvas on which 
every, there are lines to it's paint by numbers. That's that's exactly what I'm trying to say. There's a paint by numbers system of directing and writing and producing at the moment. That is because that is what mass appeals. Marvel movies are an example of it. Um, the most recent Avatar, I guess, Star Wars as well. There's not a lot of identity there. There's not a lot of flourish because it is the franchise that is the draw. It's not a, you don't go to go to see the most recent Marvel movie because you're a huge fan of the director. You go because fucking Ant Man's in it or whatever. What's that? Well, you know, I'm talking about regular regular guy, you know, gal or in between, whatever it is that you are. You know, you go to the movie, you put your, your bucks down, you know, and I'm not talking about the art house world either or, or talking about the people who have really definitive voices who don't work in genre like this. So, you know, people like David Cronenberg or Martin, Martin Scorsese who make Cronenberg films, who make Scorsese films. Christopher Nolan is another great example. Christopher Nolan makes Christopher Nolan pictures. Like, they're, they're still there. But if you're looking at the people who work within the mass media um, uh, and what is vastly more popular than anything else there is no style james gunn was one we talked about before i think he's probably the last of it you know say what you will about Zack snyder as as a a, a a filmmaker um or or a person like i don't his politics or whatever i don't know i know that there's some some ideas about him being a randian that's totally fine I, he has never come out and said anything like that despite the fact that he does want to remake the fountainhead uh, which is an iron rand book but he has a very, very definitive eye. And I said it to you, Addy, when we were talking about this picture the other night when I was watching it, I was sending you the, the voice messages. You turn on the radio uh, anywhere in the world and you hear the first few chords of a Metallica song, you know it's Metallica. You hear the first few chords of Creep, you know it's Radiohead. Like some bands, some music, just you, you, it catches your ear and you can recognize that. Even if it's a new song, you're like, oh, that's the style of. Sleep Token's a great example. You can play the first few seconds of a new Sleep, to- sleep Token song that I haven't heard before and I'm going to know who it is. You turn on a TV and all of a sudden there's a Zack Snyder movie on that you haven't seen, like Sucker Punch or something like that, and you look at the stylistic decisions, the flourishes, um, the use of uh, high contrast and dynamic movement uh, of, of slow-mo, absolutely. But, you know, he's a, he's a graphic artist. He wants to freeze a moment and capture it forever. You 100% understand this is Zack Snyder picture. That is what I appreciate about man. I don't always agree with his, his decisions as a storyteller. Um, but, fuck, man. Like, what, what a... What an end-to-end talent. Like, he shoots most of his own stuff. He didn't start making motion, like, uh, feature-length motion pictures till he was 35. And before that, he'd made dozens upon dozens of music videos and commercials. Like, he 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 trained himself. He cut his teeth, you know, as an operator, as a DP. Um, and he really, really gives a shit. You know, you don't go through, spend three months, like, drafting the script in storyboards. Like, that's what he does every single time. And he says it's really hard. It's really difficult and he doesn't recommend people do it, but that's how he breaks it down visually for himself and for his teams. Um, you don't do that if you don't give a shit. Um, and and I, I I applaud him for, for that level of dedication and for that love of the art form. Um, so yeah, th- I just wanted to say that upfront about Zach because I know it's really trendy to hate him now. He's kind of the new Michael Bay. It's like a fucking Zack Snyder and because of every the, de- the divisiveness around the DCU. But... Never forget, this is also a motherfucker who like just just pulled up and made one of the best 
remakes of all time with Dawn of the Dead, um, you know, and 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 managed to get Watchmen to the big screen. And we'll talk about how difficult that was, but he managed to pull it off because um, Three Hundred was so successful. So, anyway, that's my Zach rant. Did you want to fill in anything there? Yeah, absolutely. I fucking love Zack Snyder. Like, mm. yeah, I don't, I don't agree with all the decisions he makes when he's in his films, but that's his film. Like, I'm paying a ticket to watch his film. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You, you, you get what you're given, kind of thing. But it's like I said, he is, he is a definitive voice. It, he is a, a, a someone. No one else makes Zack Snyder movies. Yeah. I know most of his movies have been based on other things, but that you, you give the script of fucking. I said this about Tim Burton's Batman Returns as well. You give the script of Batman versus Superman to another director and the, the end product is vastly different. Oh. The only thing that matches is the fucking words. Abs- oh, maybe even not. Yeah, that's true. He does work pretty closely with Chris Terrio, the, the screenwriter. But yeah, I mean, um, like, I, I love comic shit and I, I love cape shit. Like, it's it's the thing that gives me the, one of... It's the thing that gives me so much joy. Mm. But, like... My favorite director is Wes Anderson, and I love Wes Anderson because of his distinct voice in everything that he does. Right, yep. and it's this, it's the same thing with Zack Snyder. Like you, you, you put you put on a film of his, and it's it's immediate. Like either you're hooked or you're like, oh shit, what is this? Yeah, yeah. And like a lot of people like give him shit for using slow mo. I've always I've always been an amazing. You you have always been amazing, ladies and gentlemen. Addy, no. everyone, give a round of applause no. for Addy. He has always been amazing. He's always been the best. He's just the best there is. He is the <laughs> podcaster of the year. Congratulations! Here's your trophy. Sorry, I don't know. <laughs> Took that joke for a walk. Sorry, you you. Sit <laughs> <laughs> down the street with my little joke on a leash. Come on, buddy. Come on. Come on, joke. Come on, little joke. Oh god! <laughs> I literally just heard my kittens meowing because I was talking to them. Like that's how I talk to them. Um, sorry, you you you're an amazing. No. <laughs> um, I've I've always been a fan of amazing um, slow motion. That was the point I was going to make. And uh, I I I fucking adore and love that Zack Snyder is one of those people who who just does it like. There is no way that you can sell Flash, the Flash, like, moving in, like, fucking Speed Force if it's not slow motion. Like, yeah. And that's one of the greatest comic book, like, things that have ever happened on screen. And if you if you look at things like that, you know, the decision to, to, to make that moment happen. It's, it's funny, that moment. I was thinking about it the other day where he's like, you know, um, forget the past, forget the future because it's all right now. That's almost like verbatim, like Taoism. That's <laughs> almost a Taoist philosophy, which is which is interesting. But anyway, regardless of that, he, when you hear him talk about these moments and the motivations to to get to these these points and things like that, you know, in that great interview, two part interview with his on um, uh, Pizza, Pizza Film, Film School, School with the with the yeah the Russo brothers, where he's talking about you know his idea for the Justice League was always to get to that apocalyptic ending like that was always what it interested him and he's not he is by no means a, a sideline director like he doesn't just let material sit 
he works at it and he, he he grinds it out. He figures out what it is that he likes about it. And then he synthesizes, which is taking Batman and Superman and looking it through the prism of how do I, how do these characters speak to me? And, and, and that's a, that's a different version of a movie than you would get from anyone else. Like, Watchmen, the the graphic novel, is by no means as violent as the movie is. Like, like it doesn't depict violence in the same way. Um, you know, it's probably not as cynical either. It's not as bleak. Um, and there's some some you know changes and things, but it's definitely the DNA is there. But he has he has made Watchmen the movie himself. And Alan Moore said it to um, uh, the the screenwriter David Hater. Um, he was like, the graphic novel is mine, the movie is yours, and neither the twain shall meet. You know, I don't want to be involved, but if you ever want to chat with me, that's totally fine. David Hayter, I was listening to an interview with him, and he said at one point he called up Alan Moore, and he's like, can we chat for a minute about such and such? He's like, oh, yeah, sure, I'm just making muffins. Like, this weird wizard in his kitchen making muffins. But, yeah, I think um, you would be mistaken to think that there's some part of Zack Snyder doesn't care. Like oh, I used to say it, I've I've said it on camera before. I can go back and watch an old episode of the Stitch Up talking about how I don't think he understands these characters. He absolutely does. He just understands them through the prism of his own experience. You know what I mean? And that's how everyone should understand every character. Like yeah, how do you? How else do you have something to say? Exactly. You're just going to say something that everybody's saying. It's so silly. I don't know. I just yeah, I I appreciate. It. He's also a decent human being. Like he's he's never. You don't get. Ben Affleck coming back. You don't get Ezra Miller coming back. You don't get, get Jared Leto coming back. You don't get all these people coming back to to do reshoots on a movie that failed epically um, in your absence uh, and, and you're making a four-hour version of it. Um, and uh, it's it's funny when they were going to do the the you know that as like a mini series they couldn't do it because you've got to pay people differently for, for TV instead of movies. So they had to make it a movie. But regardless of that, you know, these people don't come back Ben Affleck's come on record as saying that the reshoots of Justice League were the literally the worst work experience of his life, like the worst shooting experience of his life. You know, you don't come back to work with on that stuff again if you don't care about who's doing it. Um, and he's also, you know, uh, 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 got a, we've got a big family. A lot of his children are adopted. Like he's a decent human being. He cares about people um as, as well which you know that makes a huge difference it really does it doesn't matter you can d- divorce yourself from someone's personality or politics only so far um you know if he was a piece of shit i wouldn't care you know like i don't really care. i think michael bay is a really definitive voice as well he's another person who you turn on a movie of his and you're like fuck that's a michael bay movie for sure damn for sure but he's also kind of a dick like i've you know you hear him in interviews or you hear him on set and he shouts at people and he's really horrible to extras and like well fuck you then like but Zach seems like a halfway decent dude. Yeah, I, I feel like everything he does is is a is a labor of passion and love. Like he gives it all in everything that he does, and mm. like I've not read the Watchmen, uh, I've not read Watchmen at all. Like not even the the graphic novel that this is like adapted from. Oh, okay, yeah. But like I've I've heard people say that that graphic novel is is unadaptable because there's just so much yeah yep and i've seen this criticism i don't know if you agree but i don't but the criticism is that like Zack snyder only does uh films on already based ips or he only does adaptations because he doesn't like he he's not 
as creative as those things so you can just pull it and put it on screen you can't do that if you're not creative no if anything it's it's almost harder because that you have something to you, you have a standard to, to, to live up to or a standard to set as opposed to a piece of original material that can be what it is as like from genesis you know it's just like it just it springs forth and is whatever it's et you know um but to, to you know and that that's what people kind of dig into but if you're doing superman you you have a there's a standard set already before you even fucking walk in the door so yeah i don't i don't agree with that criticism at all that's that's just that's yeah some people you, you can go in wanting to hate stuff really really easily i would prefer to go in open minded and and you know be disappointed I'm okay with being disappointed if it doesn't dig. If I don't dig it, I don't, you just don't take it home with you. You know, <laughs> it's like Ant Man three sucks. Like, and I'm I'm a positive person. It sucked. I didn't. I it was completely unmemorable, and I I I didn't care for it at all. Somebody loves it. Someone fucking loves that movie, and that's that's a beautiful that's a beautiful thing. But I didn't take it with me. I didn't get in the car and wasn't mad about it. <laughs> They did fucking Ant Man wrong. Like, who gives a fuck? Someone else will do it eventually. And like, that's the thing about the Superman Batman thing. If you don't dig it, don't worry about it. James Gunn's got a couple in the pipe. He's ready to go. He's got more movies coming out of his bum than you fucking could possibly imagine, mate. He's got more movies than Blockbuster when it was open. Um, but yeah, let's let's talk about that really quickly. The the graphic novel. It is an amazing graphic novel. It's 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 so dense and so intelligently written. And Alan Moore is one of the greatest writers. Not comic book writers. He's one of the greatest writers of all time. The Watchmen and parts of his Swamp Thing run, I think, are still on like the top ten best novels ever written. Uh, you know, a uh, 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 list of you know whenever they make those lists, definitely Watchmen at least. His run on Swamp Thing is is one of the only things I go back to with any frequency. Um, just some of the most intelligent, provocative, and and um, thought provoking work. That's ever been done in the medium, um, and and Watchmen was that absolutely. He actually originally wanted to do the same sort of story, but using a bunch of characters that were bought by DC um, when they absorbed the uh, Charlton Comics line. Um, so that the hour would have been Blue Beetle, um, you know, Warshack would have been the question, uh, and and DC said no, we we want to, you know bring those characters into our world and play with them. We don't want you fucking them up, basically. So he created his own characters. Um, and, and and to the betterment of, of the story, honestly. Um, but yeah, it was a 12-issue series, the last issue of which was months late, um, which which drove uh, fans absolutely bananas. Um, and and working with Dave Gibson, who's who's one of the, the uh, premier godfathers of modern comic art, um, you know, he, he's up there with, uh, uh, Alex Ross. Absolutely. Um, uh, Neil Adams, um, Steve Ditko, you know, people who, inf- who changed the medium, who changed the way that we saw things. His panel work is, is some, some of the most cinematic shit you'll ever see. And, uh, you talk about it being unfilmable, the TV series intentionally diverted, like they had the, the HBO had the, or Warner Brothers have the, the, the property of Watchmen and said to Damon Lindelof, we want to adapt Watchmen. And he goes, well, I'm not fucking doing it. Like, there's no way unless you let me do something else. And he basically did a sequel to the book, not not a um, not a sequel to the movie, um, uh, because it involves 
something huge in the movie that's cut out uh, at the end. It's basically a ruse that they're going to use Dr. Manhattan as this sort of, you know, end world, uh, uh, world ending threat to not only cleave the population, um, a la Thanos, um, but also get people back in line, you know, get people to, to, to believe in fear again, basically. That's, that's what um, Adrian Voigt's idea is. In the comic, he calls down, he opens a dimensional portal and, and a giant squid monster comes down that is also telepathic and makes people go insane and all that stuff. They did that very, very well in the in the TV show, but d- neglected to do that in the movie for whatever reason. Maybe the huge squid thing was a, bad, was a hard sell. Um, I don't know. But in terms of it not being filmable, Terry Gilliam was attached at one point, the director, um, uh, who's one of the Monty Python guys, directed Brazil and Brothers Grimm. Um, uh, most recently, uh, the man who killed Don Quixote. Uh, wonderful director. He called it un- unfilmable um, and-, and moved on from the project at one point. Um, and then uh, the when David Hayter was on it, David Hayter, who also wrote um, The X-Men, uh, the t- 2000 picture, and I believe it's sequel. Um, he's-, he's still a writer-director now. Uh, he's got a TV show on Netflix called Warrior Nun. Um, he- and he was an actor too. He was in Guyver, that-, that movie I sent you the other day. Fucking dope shit. So cool. And- did you? Yeah, it's, it's it's awesome, isn't it? It's so shitty. It's so B movie, but the fucking prosthetic work is outstanding. Amazing. Yeah, especially the Guyver suit. Like, just it shouldn't have been that good. There was no reason for it to be that good. But it's just this dude in a fucking biomechanical armor kicking the shit out of werewolf dudes in the jungle, in the in the jungle, in the bush. Um, so so good. But yeah, he was a, a writer on that. He became, you know, quite bankable because of the success of X-Men. And they said to him, hey, what do you want to do? And he goes, look, Watchmen. I've always wanted to do Watchmen. Um, that's my shit. That's my shizzle. I, I can adapt it. I think I can do it. Let me do it, basically. And um, he signed his contract contract to produce a, a screenplay for The Watchmen on September the 10th, 2001. Wow. Yeah. So a day before 9-11, he signed a contract to write a movie in which at the very end, New York gets decimated. Um, and it was part of the reason why that doesn't exist in it, in, it, in, the, in its current form, because when the screenplay was written, they didn't think that that was appropriate. Fair enough. That's, you know, making those decisions in, in that time must have been very difficult. Um, but uh, the, the next sort of you know cycle of that it's always been hater who was on 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 there um i believe damon lindelof maybe had something to do with it you know in the in the 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 beginning because he would have been doing lost at the time um but uh yeah and zach came would have come on later and, and work on the screenplay but paul greengrass director of the uh the second third and fifth born movies so born supremacy uh born ultimatum and jason Bourne. Um, would come on and he his movie was really interesting like totally different it was going to start with um uh, uh the comedian sort of like handsome hair flowing back you know domino mask on flying through the air kind of thing and then the camera would tilt down and you realize he's not flying he's falling so he's being thrown out of a window which is the beginning of that picture um, and also, uh, he, he referenced a photograph of um, a, um, a marginal indigenous, a, a homeless person, um, uh, which whose face was caked in mud 
just from and he couldn't couldn't see a human the human presence underneath and that's what he wanted for Rorschach he didn't want it to look like a mask he wanted it to be this thing so real real interesting sort of stylistic changes um, and then uh, they were they were like three months from shooting and the executive who was in charge of the project was fired at Warner Brothers and they pulled it um, and then it wouldn't again it wouldn't get picked up until later when uh, uh, Zach was at Warner Brothers after. 300 and they were talking about what he wanted to do next and he found out they were doing Watchmen and said that um so he even talked about Watchmen doing the press tour with Frank Miller for um 300 and Frank was like I I can't believe you did this how the fuck are you going to do Watchmen and he's like oh don't worry about it um so yeah storied history absolutely um uh, and and I can't figure out why people like even if you're a Watchmen purist which I'm not like it's not it's not that important to me the way that it is some people. Even if you are a Rotten purist, I don't know what the problem with this movie is. I, I wouldn't know because I have no previous, but this is one of the most interesting and I would say invested I've ever been in a, in a, in a superhero movie. Because like mm. I, I almost don't even want to call that because it's, it's so anti-superhero movie, especially in the, in the era that we live now. Yeah. Like, these are not amazing people. These are people who have done fucked up shit and are fucked up people. Yeah. And it's... You would never get away with any of this stuff anymore. Like, at one point, the comedian, played fantastically by um, uh, Jeffrey Dean Morgan, oh. shoots a fucking... Yep. A, a, a pregnant woman. He got pregnant, you know, in Vietnam. And that's another thing, making it period, making it, like, set when it's set and it's Nixon, and it's post-Vietnam, and the reason they won Vietnam is is Dr. Manhattan. We'll come back to Dr. Manhattan because that story what a blue is dick. particularly interesting. Sorry. Yeah, that's a, that is a schwanz like you never believe. My God. Um, but also uh, Billy Crudup, one of my favorite actors, just just a singular talent, but we'll come back to that. But yeah, I mean, there's, there's that. You've got Rorschach is... <sighs> If Rorschach wasn't so dedicated to justice, like at the end of that picture where he says, it doesn't matter that we're facing apocalypse, right is right and wrong is wrong. And if you do the wrong thing, even for the right reasons, you should be punished. Um, if he wasn't dedicated to good, he would just be a serial killer. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that's that's super interesting, you know, when you but you see the progression of all the characters, you know, where they started and where they came from. Like, you know, Dan... He he just fell in love with the idea of being a superhero, and as trained as he is, he's just a dude, you know. Like, and he he had this relationship with um at the original Owl, and and that's where it comes from. Um uh, uh, uh um what's what's the the character's name? Who's the daughter? Molly Ackerman's character. Oh um. Holy shit, that's a bad... I'm trying to remember her character name, like the, the superhero character yeah. name. And Rorschach, and Rorschach keeps calling her that. And she's she's like, stop calling me that. I'm not that anymore. Jupiter? Yeah, like Lady Jupiter or whatever. And, and, Laurie you know, Jupiter. Got Lady Jupiter, is it? Laurie Jupiter. Right? I, Laurie I, Jupiter. I guess Laurie would be like her name and Jupiter would be like her stage name or superhero yeah. name. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And she's just she's in it like nepotunistically because her mum was yeah. her mum's this fading starlet who who you know played by um Carla Gugino, who is just amazing. Uh, she all awesome. the times 
all of the times she's amazing. Yes. From all the beginning times, the son-in-law times with the with with the Wiz and the Juice guy, all the way to now. She was in a Paulie Shaw picture called Son-in-law. Um, all the way up until whatever I've seen in most recently. Um, and she's she's like you know kind of obsessed with her older image, and then you've got Doctor Manhattan, who is a living god, uh, and and like completely loses faith in humanity, and then decides not to save them, but then decides to save them because of you know where um uh, uh, uh she where Jupiter came from, where Laurie came from, um and 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 Rorschach being just a crime fighter, and then finding the bones of the little girl who was killed being eaten by those two dogs. And he hacks that guy to pieces. Like it's not the right thing to do, but I'm not 100 yeah. percent against it either. Like, absolutely. You know, in terms of the the like, where does the line? So if that's the case, if you're doing the wrong thing, is that that's the wrong thing? So he's kind of an unusual, like he's Batman with no moral code at all. Um, and 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 that's interesting uh, as well. And then you know you sort of. You hear him talk and they kind of make light of it at one point. And there's a little beat of Jesus in there where there was a character, it's Laurie and Dan are having dinner and they're talking about a, a guy who was a villain who just got off on getting beaten up. Like he got a sexual release from being beaten up and he used to chase people down the street and chase the owl man. He's like, just beat me up, just beat me up. And Laurie says, um, whatever happened to him? And he goes, oh, well, he tried that shit with Rorschach and he dropped him down an elevator shaft. <laughs> Which is yeah. hysterical, but <laughs> fucked up too. Like, there's a lot going on here in terms of its theme and character and 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 stuff that that it's really easy to miss that in all the gloss, in all the the speed ramping and fucking, you know, that sequence where um, Rorschach breaks into the um, Doctor Manhattan's testing ground and like jumps up onto that top of that building and the the rain's pouring down like striking striking images visually like i think zach's kind of like curbed his style a little bit when he was working in the dcu perfectly honestly and it'll be interesting to see because army of darkness was fucking one of the most amazingly shot films i've seen in the last 10 years like wait just, army like, of the dead army of the dead sorry not army of darkness, darkness yeah like, what? that's evil dead no yeah super super shallow focus with those really really short lenses with the wide open aperture and and he he operated he was just it was just on his shoulder the whole time like just amazing it'll be interesting to see let's get some watchmen and some of that and put it into rebel moon i, I cannot fucking tell you how excited i am for that film but we also need yeah, right. we need to get paid for that because <laughs> I know we have done more promotional shit for Rebel Moon and we don't know anything about anything. We've never seen anything about it. We don't know what's going on. There's not even a trailer for the shits yet. Like there's there's some there's some pretty intense work that's 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 we've been doing for you, Zach. So give me a ring. You can be on the podcast too. Oh, oh I reckon he would come on if he wasn't busy. Yeah. Um But yeah, so you know, getting back to Watchmen, um, Regardless of of, of Zach of Zach's sort of you know hands on it, um, there's some great performances. Um, uh, you know, like cinematography is amazing too. There's a, there's a lot of really interesting moral ideas going on there. Like the the thing that I particularly liked that I caught this time was the reason that they've changed it to instead of a giant squid monster and all the little squid monsters and and, and the telepathic control and stuff. Instead of having that, they've got Dr. Manhattan be the nuclear threat. And half of the reason I think in this movie that that's the case is because Adrian is jealous of him. 
because Adrian is is you know he was Osmandius or Ozymandias or however you pronounce it, you know the smartest man alive, um, and he if he if it wasn't for Doctor Manhattan that would be true, but it's not true yeah. because Doctor Manhattan exists. You know it's almost a Lex Luthor Superman situation. Half of the reason that Lex Luthor has a problem with Superman is because he could never be, yeah, that powerful and that good. Um. And, his, and that's really interesting. And his whole and his whole thing is how can you be that powerful and then be that good? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like you, what? Well, I would be corrupted, but why wouldn't you be corrupted? Oh, you would be. Of course, you would be. You know. Yeah. Um, and Doctor Manhattan is an interesting character, particularly in the movie, because of his the way that he perceives time. Um, like fourth dimensional logic always trips me out like i love it it's really really interesting you know the, the different ways that you can think about it and um stuff like that and it, it does go back to Taoist theory of like time stretching on ahead and time stretching on before you so no matter where you are in life you're always in the middle because the time behind you and the time in front of you were infinite um and, and i like that as a concept but being able to like in the conversations that she has with him uh, um, that the Laurie has with with uh, Doctor Manhattan, where he's like, "You're about to tell me this, and then I'm going to react this way." And she's like, "And then he does react." She goes, "Well, if you knew you were going to react like that, why are you reacting like that?" And he's like, "I don't have any control over what happens. Yeah, I'm in this moment now. This is the moment we're in. Imagine being untethered from time. Imagine being the the inability to to quantify time as as a as an objective." thought like the only reason time exists is because we give it value by having clocks and by having times of day and seasons and you know months and years and all that stuff like it is such a it's such a human construct but time in of itself is infinite it, there is even after everything's just nothing time will continue um and it's only verbalized using those those letters um it doesn't exist as a, as a universal concept it just is um, so imagine having to deal with that on a daily basis. Of course you would be alienated. Of course you would be, um, you know, other. The Billy Crudup's performance as Dr. Manhattan is fantastic. It, it, like the, 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 um, the gentleman who played him in the TV series, whose name I, 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 I do know, but I always butcher trying to say it. Um, uh, uh, uh and, and I, I feel like I'm doing a disservice to him every time I do, but remarkable actor. He was also in Candyman recently, and the the Candyman recall or whatever you want to call it. Um, he did kind of the same thing where it was a... He finds it necessary to interact with human beings only in so much as that he has to explain himself all the time. And if he didn't have to do that, he'd be quite happily silent um, and just get about what he has to do. Billy Crudup's performance in this role, and Zach said it on, on, on um, Pizza Film School, that he taught him a lot about the process of acting and, and he's a very serious thespian. Like he takes, he takes it really seriously and you can tell, I mean, he's in spotlight and he plays this, this lawyer who was sort of part of the problem, but also, um, you know, couldn't control what the Catholic church was doing. Just incredible. And that origin, his origin in the middle of that movie where it sort of spits away and he's like, you know, on such and such a date, a, a human circulatory system is seen in the in the cafeteria, and on this certain a date, a muscular structure screams and then flashes to light, and that is, and of course that's what would happen. Of course that's what would happen if a a, a being of infinite power 
and unlimited energy was discovered on planet Earth, he would 100% get conscripted by the US military to to win conflicts. Um, let's not pretend that that wouldn't happen. It's, 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 he is a nuclear weapon on two legs. Um, you know, as soon as they figured out they could do that, they did it. So there's that as well. I mean, having a not a human conscious conscience, but having a conscience as being a being of that amount of power um, is is endlessly fascinating. And I I just love I love that thing. And I also love like let's not make, we can make some jokes about it. I love the fact that they just let him be nude because if you're a being of ultimate power and you are energy you know going on endlessly through time backwards and forwards at all moments you don't give a shit about undies exactly you don't give a shit about me undies like he's not gonna do it yeah and um just i love that sequence of like like dr manhattan as the actual human dying and then becoming this this energy that's that's there and him like when he first like materializes, he has like a skeleton, and by mm. and by the time like at the end of the film, he doesn't perceive himself as that. Like he's he's so detached. Yeah. And like going back to going back to that scene where where the comedian kills the uh, kills a pregnant woman. It's like all of it is there in that scene where he sh- he shoots her, and. And then he look, and then he looks at him. And he's like, "Why? You could have stopped. You could, you could have turned. You could have uh, turned my you could gun. Turn the bullets into steam. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's it, that is the, that is the question. Like, what is the end of omnipotence? Like, if you have all power and are all knowing and you don't act, it's the god complex. It's absolutely the god complex. It is. And like, there is no fucking way someone that with that power could exist and not have a god complex. Mm. Especially someone who was human before yeah absolutely and it's like we were talking about you know you sent me the picture of um you know for those who don't know in the most recent issue of nightwing nightwing has been given unlimited power by the lord of hell as as he says you know nightwing is protecting a young girl who lord of hell owns the soul of and he's like i'm not giving you it you to uh, her to you and lord of hell says i can give you power to save everyone let's just give you a taste and he turns him into super nightwing basically how good do you, I mean it's, it's it's Dick Grayson so of course he's going to be alright but but if you look at this like that that the corruptibility of the regular human soul of a person who is also um already would have had a, a, an 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 ego an inflated ego an inflated sense of self being in love um, being young um, being as intelligent as he is working on these you know incredible problems um, and then to have your body atomized and and come back as pure energy. Um, and, and, and it speaks to that because he, part of that story, part of his origin story is the infidelity of him going to the, the meeting of the Watchmen or the Minutemen as they're called in the, in the comics, um, uh, to that meeting where, you know, they're they're all getting together to fight crime and, um, he notices Laurie and, and she notices him and there's thing there and he leaves his wife for Laurie and then that that relationship devolves because he can only consume. Um, yeah, there's just, I think people watch it and there's a layer of something on it. Maybe it, maybe it is the Zach's thing. I don't know. People just look and go, Oh, it's all slow more, whatever. It's too stylized. 
there's a lot going on there dramatically, emotionally that you kind of miss on a first pass. And I think it benefits watching the longer version as well because you invest, you sort of sit in it a lot more and you kind of give yourself the opportunity to be taken over by the possibilities that nobody in this is is either, um, nobody is a saint and nobody is safe. Um, you know, even at the end when, spoilers, if you're listening to this, there's spoilers. At the end where Rorschach says, like I said before, you know, good is good and should be, and bad is bad, and no, nothing in between, black and white. This is what that's what his mask means. Um, you know that that that's what he is. He he has to like they know that Adrian's right. They know that in order to avoid nuclear war, they have to do this. You know, they have to to let this thing go off, and and Doctor Manhattan has to be the scapegoat, and so Doctor Manhattan kills Rorschach. And he becomes, the blood becomes a Rorschach on the snow. Like, shit like that, man. Like, I know a lot of that's from the graphic novel because he snatches moments from it. Like, where the comedian goes out the window and the the, the um, smiley face... Um, with uh, the blood splatter, yeah. ...thing, yeah, whatever. It's with the badge thing gets the blood on it. Like, that's another thing as well. Like, fucking give it up for the CG work in this movie. Shit. Like, that holds up. Like, I do... I, I was watching that film and there was not a moment where I thought, huh... That blue person is not real. Yeah, and there's just the facial capture on it and, and you know, the... I mean, a lot of it's dynamic lighting as well, but th- that button's not there. That button doesn't land on the ground like that. Like, that's that's a CG button and it fucking lives in the scene. Like, it's better than anything that he did when he was at DC. But that's probably, you know, he, yeah. he had more time, I think, probably with Watchmen. Like, the whole... I love Rorschach and I've, I've never seen him, like... I think he might be in the show. I've not seen the show. No, it, it, it's it's he is his visage or his his image has been um, uh, uh, hijacked by the alt right, and they're using it as you know those masks to to do bad things um, because they've misread his his story. They've misread his idea of of, of you know justice and right and wrong because he talks about in his diary that eventually gets published. Um, you know, at the end of the picture, he talks about the filth and the whores and the this and the that and whatever. It's just, you know, he's not a good character. He's not a good person, even in the least. Um, you know, he comes from a, a, a terrible, tragic background. But yeah, he's, he's, his ideals get hijacked by a bunch of people who misread it all, I think. So, sorry, you were saying you, you, you do like him. You're not sure if he's in the thing yet. Yeah. yeah I, the tragedy, the tragedy, the tragedy. The tragedy of, of Rorschach is that he's a person who believes in good good or like bad and good and light and dark in a world that mm. is just grey. Yeah, murky, murky grey. Like politically, um, socially, uh, uh spiritually as well is a weird like vein of of people like gods being irrelevant because of these because of these people who are here, you know, it's the same argument they make in in, in the Marvel the cinematic universe is like what place does um, religiosity have here when there's a guy who can fly down from the sky with a hammer in his hand, that kind of thing. Yeah, and like just this this was the boys before the boys was a thing. Yeah, this I mean you don't you don't get the boys without Watchmen. Absolutely not, and like just just seeing the 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 gradual like descent of of 
just Rorschach and like his relationship with uh, with Dan as well going from just being beautiful it's like at the end like before they get on to like the, the ship he says you're a good friend and he, and he shakes his hand it's yeah it's not something you see a character like Rorschach would do like it's 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 sort of like just putting it putting it out there that this part of him exists but it, but is not is not completely him yeah and like all of these minutemen are like that and like like his his fight scene in the in the prison where he where he doesn't kill but also kills a lot of people yeah yeah just the start of that where it's the guy comes up to him and they're like hey we know you like Jackie Earl Haley is amazing for someone of his stature he just he is so imposing and where he get tips that the hot oil and that guy and he's like you guys don't seem to understand I'm not locked in here with you here I'm not locked in here with you you're locked in here with me like what the fuck man that is one of the most that's a fucking dunk that is a dunk of a comment man he jumped from the fucking free throw line to get that one in just awesome like he's such a uh, um like say what you will about his his politics and stuff like that and 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 his indefensible behavior um he's a fucking baller ass character doesn't fuck around he's basically what would happen if if you know damian wayne didn't have Batman to kind of curb him into like, yeah, you know, you need to do the right thing. It's just like Talia goes, go out and fight crime. And he starts cutting homies yep. heads off and shit. Like, yeah, <laughs> that's, that it's is just, so true. Yeah. It's, it's there's outrageous. A, there's a universe where that's true. And there's a, there's an arc where Damien goes from Damien, from Damien Wayne to Rorschach. It's, yeah. It's- yeah. And in, in the future stories of Damien Wayne, like in the, in the, in the, uh, uh, the book, uh, deceased, like D capital D capital C East, um, that Tom Taylor wrote where it's the, the anti-life equation has been transmitted, you know, uh, as a virus through technology and people are turning into zombies and clawing their own faces off and shit like that. Damien Wayne and, um, Jonathan Kent are sort of the, the new Batman and Superman because Superman and Batman get infected and they, they grow up through the course of this story. And one, like Damien ends up in a fucking all white bat Batman costume and shit. And he's, and he's totally well adjusted and he talks about his feelings and he has a love affair and his best friends, this, and he hugs people. Like he's like, you know, he's like me if I was Batman, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, no, I understand my feelings and I think you're important. Like, <laughs> and let this go and punch evil in its face. Like, yeah, I don't know. It's just, um, it's it's interesting to see someone who is that. And and the whole film in itself is, is kind of an oddity now as well because it's this is stuff you just aren't going to see in genre anymore. And when I say genre, I mean the superhero genre because that's what this is or it's science fiction at the very least. People, people get hurt and people have um, moral ambiguity and people uh, are, are betrayed and then come back and, and then there's different like ethnicities and different, you know, sexual uh, uh, um, proclivities and there's all these, like you said, all these gray areas. I mean, let's give it up. Dan and Laurie straight up fuck. They fuck hard to- Hallelujah. Um, to Hallelujah by uh, uh, what's his name? Um, uh, Leonard, Leonard Cohen. Cohen. Still think the Jeff Buckley version is better, but that's just me. Um, come at me if you want. But they fuck in the owl ship, 
and and after saving people, like they get their groove back and they fucking they and you see there's riding and gyration and pulsing and sweat and it's like yes, remember when remember when people were people and there was there was there was you know eroticism and 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 love and tenderness and and uh, uh, you know along with brutality and all that's like real physical human shit as opposed to a bunch of people standing next to each other talking about what fucking superhero they have to fight or supervillain they have to fight like the reality of life is completely missing from this genre stuff at the moment in 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 my opinion even something like the batman there's definitely some sexual tension between him and catwoman but nothing happens as opposed to batman returns where they're fucking grinding on each other and she's grabbing his dick under camera and like licking his face like i'm not saying that things need to be pornographic absolutely not you know that that that's that's a whole different thing but we need to stop avoiding human nature because it's making things sterile. It's making things really easy to dismiss because we don't see ourselves in it anymore. The reason I'm watching Watchmen and I'm like, this is some sexy shit. Sexy shit's awesome, you know? Or this is, this is you know, like people are having real reactions to things. Of course you would be. De- if, if all of a sudden some, you know, a, a deified creature came into my life and stole my fucking woman away or, or, or like someone left me for a god, I'd be pretty fucking mad about it too. Like the reality that, that is on display here in, in such an unreal place is, was super refreshing within this genre because it's just not something I've seen. The, I think the best example in, in modern movies would be um, Guardians, where the original Guardians, where there's there's you know a guy who's lost his family and willing to do anything, and you know and there's a a, a, a a raccoon creature who was tortured and is you know kind of an asshole because of it, and there's a kid who was stolen from his from his mother and. You know, like there's all these real feelings and he's, you know, the, the opening of that movie is like he's had been having sex with this woman. He's like, I didn't actually remember you were there. Like there's these, there's these real people behind all the stuff as opposed to now where there's nothing behind all the stuff. It's just, how do we get to the next movie? Yeah. So yeah, I think you know, given, given the time, um, this movie's going to warm, like people are going to warm to this movie more and more. Um, just based on where we are, it's going to be one of those things where Rebel Moon does come out and people start doing a reevaluation of Zack's old stuff because um, there is some real gems there. Like, what what in an ideal world, um, Zack gets to, you know, this is successful and Zack gets. I know that he went on to do DC and stuff like that, but he's given a little bit more respect than he probably did get at the time. Um, and, and he becomes a premier director in Hollywood and he has, he has control over, you know, everything that he's doing. Um, do you think that the DC landscape's different? Do you think he had to compromise a bit there? Cause I really think he did. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you don't go from a story like Man of Steel to then Batman v Superman. Yeah. You really, you fucking stole the words right out of my mouth, man. Yeah. Which is fair because I, I have a lot of words, but explain to me why you think that is. I mean I think he's also said that like his whole his whole plan for the Justice League was to introduce these characters and then have the team form. Like mm. just because the MCU had done it doesn't mean that it's a bad thing. Like that's the right way to do it. And I feel like they, there is a right way where you can have the Justice League film and then go off in different branches and have these characters do their own thing. Mm. 
but also Batman and Superman is is just is filled with things that are that are, that are supposed to come after that. Like yeah, most of its second or third act is just that. Yeah, and and in that, in including that, you you miss you miss so much of Clark Kent. You miss so much of Clark Kent understanding why the Batman is a is a thing to be feared for, or feared from. And I feel like if he had a bit more, just a bit more breathing room, to, like the ultimate cut of that isn't perfect, but it gives you so much more context than than the two are from. It's more interesting. Yeah, they make they make more interesting turns, and it gives the opportunity for for um, you know Clark Kent to be Clark Kent and do some investigative reporting and all that stuff because he is very nude in that film. Um, but even Man of Steel is that is that there's uh, I do I do love Zach's like I don't know if I have a style I really can't tell it, it, it's I mean I know that when I look at my work it it has it has my fingerprints on it because I worked on it. But I think you would have to show someone all of my stuff and go, does he have a style? I don't really don't know if I do. Um, but I love his close, like his intimate framework and his, his handheld work is amazing. Like to put that stuff in a Superman movie, like particularly the, the, the start, um, you know, before he's, he's in the costume, that's pretty ballsy, you know, to, to, to be, but even that is compared to, to his normal style. Like he did, I do think that by the time you get to the middle of the second act of that movie, it's a DC movie and not a Zack Snyder movie. But that's totally um, fine. Like it's a Superman movie. Like, like at some, yeah, of course, at some, yeah. at some point the whole DC thing is going to come along. Yeah. Yeah. But I do, I do like that he, he is given the opportunity now to be like, all right, what are you, what are you, you've done this, you've done this, and you've been kind of given, given the, the short end of the stick here and it's been blamed on you, all of these things that have happened so much so that we have to revamp almost from scratch. And and Netflix is like, hey, you want to, hey, Zach, you want to come and do a fucking zombie picture? <laughs> that's my Netflix. I don't remember how to Netflix, but that's what he sounds like now. He sounds like in my head what my cat Clark sounds like because he's the smallest and that's his voice. Anyway, do you want to come over and do that? And he's like, yeah, can I do it exactly how I want to do it and without any fucking oversight whatsoever? And they're like, yeah, sure, absolutely. And he's like, you know what? I'm going to stick around here for a while and do Rebel Moon, which was supposed to be his Star Wars picture. Um, and uh, and I think now that whether that does well or doesn't do well, I don't know. It's hard to track these things, you know, the Netflix algorithms and all that kind of shit. I just hope he continues to expand as an artist and try new things and 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 have more of a individual voice by doing creator own projects. It's you know we're talking about Jim Lee before Homie started on X Men, you know was one of the biggest artists in the world, went to creator owned and 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 built a whole comic book company. You know was one of the founders of Image Comics and then founded um, Wildstorm and then moved to D- back to DC and worked on Batman and Superman the Justice League. Like maybe that's the place to go. Let Zach kind of grind it out for a little while on some of his own stuff and figure some shit out, and then bring him back. You know, you want to do a you want to do like a Justice League movie in ten years' time when they've rebuilt this universe and give him another shot. I'm not against it. Let's not even do a Justice League. Let's do a Justice League Dark. Yeah, yeah. Oh, give him Justice League Dark and have Constantine and Zatanna. Fuck. And do wand shit on each other, like use wands, like make wands go up one another, and be like, "Yes, this is the shit. I've got a wand in me. You've got a wand in you. 
this is the best time we've ever had. This is Zack Snyder picture R-rated. You know, like, that's pretty cool to me. That's pretty cool to me. Yeah. Or let him do an Injustice movie. Injustice movie. Like an else, they're doing Elseworlds shit. You know what? I, I don't, I'm actually not, not for that because I feel like his whole vision was, was leading towards the Injustice storyline. Because he, yep. even at the end of the Justice League film, we see a dark Superman that like they yeah. have to fight again. So mm-hmm. there was a point where, you know, Lois dies and he turns. Yeah. And there was like, he was, he was literally treating the dead body of Lois Lane in, in the flash forward that, that, um, Cyborg has like, mm. like in his, in his stories of extravagant people with capes, he gives them real consequences. Like there's, there's like nobody else would, would do that with Cyborg. But when Cyborg pushes that button, he gets that vision and he, and it's, it's a, it's a, it's a loud reminder that you do this and this shit will happen. Mm. Like there's no going back from that. Certainly doesn't shy away from the fact that these like power as, as a, uh, as it is represented has always has consequences. Um, even though, you know, the, the, the end of the, Third, the third act of Superman, like Man of Steel, is completely tone deaf to that because it's it's so it's it's you know it's destruction porn and but then you know that was addressed later. But I do think character wise, they they don't get away with things that you would normally you would sometimes let a character get away with in this in this genre. But anyway, it's I, I look forward to seeing what else he does. I, I, Watchmen was a great rewatch i actually bought it in like on apple um tv in 4k like because it was the only way to watch the ultimate cut i'm like fuck it i've got 14 bucks for this i can represent you know in 4k no less um and it looked beautiful it was a great transfer um zach snyder works well in 4k like because yeah. he's you know that's, that's that's some beautiful shit i'm gonna go back and rewatch army of dead actually um i really enjoyed that picture when i first watched it there's a stitch up episode on it that i did with hugo Ferrant on the stitch up youtube page if anyone wants to check that out we had a good time chatting about it but um before we finish up uh, uh talking about watchmen was there anything any final thoughts any pearls of wisdom you took away from it this time or any recommendations that you might give to the the folks out there i would say if you, if you really do like that i watch the yeah give yourself an afternoon fuck it you know You've, if you listen to this you probably watched the 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 um snyder cut of uh or zach snyder's justice league that's four hours so just do yourself a favor yeah and like it's there are parts that can be cut out but it's it's called the ultimate cut for a reason yeah he's actually he actually likes the director's cut more the ultimate cut was something that it was kind of forced on him i think um and and his his director's cut which is 240 something like that is is the one that he kind of prefers but i couldn't find that anywhere the dvd i've got is just the original like theatrical um so but yeah i mean in whatever form you see it it's well worth your time um there's a lot going on there give it a chance don't don't write it off just because it's Zack snyder i will i will agree with most people to say that um sucker punch isn't a great picture it looks really good but it's there's some unusual themes going on there that are probably not great um and uh, uh you know not not blaming anybody for that it's just there's some stuff in there that's probably mishandled if, if anything else um and it's just a bit a bit dull um and 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 obvious and stuff it's him trying to make a, a, a an anime and it doesn't really work um but yeah d- check out dawn of the dead fucking rules his his first picture is so great just such a stylistic um 
departure from from you know what you what we were seeing at that time um and uh, and yeah and I, I dig his dc work uh, particularly man of steel but come on bring on rebel moon come on blood axe let's fucking get this thing going i don't know when it comes about but shit i'm on the edge of my seats yeah i think part one comes out sometime this year i certainly hope so and put it in my diary and and get ready for it so that's it folks we're talking about watchmen um, we hope you go back and check it out and enjoy it. And if not, that's okay too. And if you don't agree with us, that's okay too. So before we go though, before we bounce from this uh, from this beautiful conclave that we do once every now and again, talking about some cool shit, um, do we have any questions? We have questions. How many? Oh, five questions. Five questions. Five questions, these. Johnny's theme song. You know what's weird? You, it took YouTube what one whole year to realize that we're using an, like an actual song for a theme, and so now like each episode of ours is almost copyrighted because yeah, yeah, it's funny because Johnny's music is released by the, by the record label that my company owns. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Like he's totally fine with it. So fuck it, it doesn't matter. It's just it just says copyright you know anything any proceeds go to uh you know the artist or whatever yeah. it's like yeah who cares it doesn't matter we're not making money off of this shit anyway no and johnny knows that johnny knows we're not making any money uh, he was one of the guys i went to this show with the other night and he was the one who came out and was like that was a religious experience he's such a fucking dude i love that guy um anyway he, i was talking to him just quickly i was talking to him um uh, we were having dinner beforehand and he came and sat down he was a little bit later than everybody else and i'm and he i'm like if you listen to the the new episode like the episode that, that would have just dropped like there's the dungeons and dragons one hasn't dropped yet but it will soon but the one before that is our one year anniversary when i spend a good five minutes blowing the man and i'm like you gotta check it out man because i i suck you from fucking from from tip to taint mate it's just <laughs> he's excited this is all um, in there all of it Oh, mate, the whole thing. Fucking balls and all. I thumb them in. Oh, Christ. <laughs> What'd you say? I thumb them in. Like, that's just... What? Anyway, love you, Johnny. I thumb the balls in. That's what happens. Anyway, do you want to do some questions before I lose all of my mind? Okay. So I, I just realized what, what thumb them in means. Yeah. Yep. Okay. You got to do a bit of work, you know? <laughs> These questions five. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. (laughs) What do you think about the opening scene? The credits. I mean, the the credits are after the murder, though. Yeah, let's talk about the scene. Let's talk about about both. Yeah, well, I mean, the the, the opening scene of, 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 you know, it starts with the whistling kettle and then it's, it's, it's the comedian's murder. Um, is great like it's such a brutal it sets the tone really really well um and then you know that kind of hyper violent hyper fast reality of the moments like that tracking shot where he gets thrown and the, and the camera tracks with him as he goes over the couch like you know what you're in for so yeah i dig it i dig a lot yeah like there's no way that all of that is real because there's there's a lot of wire work there but it's it's so believable 
because of how oh, it's yeah, shot. probably the glass in front of them is probably CG as well, and you know the lighting does a lot of work and and all that stuff. But it's you know it's practical. It's two dudes in a room, you know, and you can tell that's not Jeffrey Dean Morgan in 4K. It's just a dude with a mask on. But fuck, it's just yeah. Like I said, it's it's a real. You, th- this is what you're in for, folks. So get ready. Also, just a huge shout out to Jeffrey Dean Morgan. He's my favorite, like Thomas Wayne. Both times because he he did that for the Flashpoint film, which was like the animated film. Yeah, which was insane. Yeah, man. I still want to see that movie where he plays Thomas Wayne in the Flashpoint universe because he's he's totally capable. Totally capable. They talked about it, Uh, like the 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 two like Jeffrey Dean Morgan and the and the person who played um, Martha Wayne in the in that scene. They they were in a film together again, and they talked about it. And he was, he was totally on board with his like. If- yeah, well, they were in they were in Walking Dead together as well. Lauren Coburn, I think her name is. I can't can't remember exactly. Correct me in the comments if I'm wrong. Um, but yeah, yeah, that's that's um, he's he's stand out in the whole picture. Like to play such a horrible fucking character, but kind of be not redeemable, but at least um, sympathetic at the end, where he's like, you know, he finds out the plan and is totally shook by it, even though he's a monster. Like you know, the idea of genocide just to, to keep the, 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 the public in line. Um, yeah, it's pretty pretty remarkable performance. As far as the opening credits go, I think it's really clever. It's also not something that the, the studio wanted. They were like, what the fuck are we paying all this money for a, for the opening credits for? That's ridiculous. But Zach's like, all right, don't worry about it then. And he told the screenwriter to take it out of the script. And he's like, I know what I want to shoot. Anyway, we'll just do it. And so he just he just organized that shoot on his own and and captured one of the most interesting again tone setting pieces um and and tells you the whole story of everybody you need to know you know is introduced and 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 the relationships and you know where they were then and where they are now all within a few minutes and using that great Bob Dylan song like it's it's pretty remarkable that's the only Bob Dylan song I've, I've heard and it's my it's my favorite it's one of my favorite songs ever and like it's pretty great like it, pretty great song. It, it fits so well with what what that's showing. It fits so well with the the time period because it mm. was it was eighties. Well, right. the song wasn't. The song would have come yeah. out in the sixties, but the yeah, song. but yeah, because it it traverses the the time periods. Yeah. yeah, but that shot of like the the you know the flower girl putting yeah. the flower in the barrel of the gun and then them all going off like it really is it's it's not it's not bleak because he made it bleak it's bleak because it's an idea of what this time would have been if if you know military states and governmental power were able to take over the hippie movement and they they didn't really not in the end yeah but yeah i, I love it so that's that's an answer to your question and like just one more thing to add is that like after yeah. that whole sequence, because the song, like the sequence, is is too long for the song, because the song is isn't really that long. So the, they've doubled it up. Yeah, yeah, they double it up, and I love it. And no problem with that. And no problem with. And that. right after the intro, we cut to we cut to the two Niles talking. Mm. It's it's such a, like a tone setter of like seeing the men then, and like them seeing like killed and you know taken away in like by hospitals and like. Now it's just one small group that they meet, just two people that they meet. Animal yeah, that's talk. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The two, the two last men standing kind of thing. Yeah, and like I, absolutely. I love that Dan never loses it except when he finds out that that the original Night Owl died, or like the one before him died. 
Yeah. And like Rorschach of all people like stops him and says, not in front of the civilians. So I was like, oh my God. Yeah, where he crushes the glass in that guy's hand is fantastic. Yeah. Such a good scene. Anyway, what's yeah. question number two? Question number two. Do you think Zack Snyder would come back to comic book movies again? I don't know. We kind of just talked about it a little bit about saying how maybe after he's done some some leg stretching in his in his creator own stuff he could he could come back. I don't think he'll do it haphazardly. Yeah. Not not after everything he went through. But maybe it'd be interesting to see. You know what? Let's give it a rest for a little while. <laughs> give it ten years and then see what happens. Yeah. Give it like ten fifteen years and let's see if 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 James Gunn is able to do something. Yeah. Yeah. See see what Gunn's got up his sleeve and then maybe we'll go back to formula. <laughs> yeah. Question three. Uh, question three. What version do you love of the Watchmen? So, as in, like, not not what like, cut? Yeah, what cut? Or oh, what, okay. So, what cut? Not one version, as in the book or the movie or the TV series. Yeah, I mean, no, not that. Yeah, of the of the of the cuts, I like the ultimate cut because I'm a completist, um, which is really annoying sometimes because, like, I'll buy a graphic novel set of of stuff that I haven't read yet, but I've got to have more. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just ridiculous. Like I just bought um, Denny O'Neill's run on the question as two volumes, and I just bought volume one because I'm like, what if I don't like it? And it's the first time I've actually been able to do that to myself, as opposed to like where I bought all of Grant Morrison's Batman run, and the last two volumes are incomprehensible. <laughs> like they are just absolutely bananas. It's all this Batman International shit and stuff and diverts from the original sort of big big action blockbuster thing. And it's then, then like, I don't, they, they're well written, but I just, I don't like it as much. It doesn't aesthetically please me. And the art's not as good either. It's a little kind of, it's a little rushed to my eyes. So yeah, but, um, but yeah, I do like the ultimate cut. I enjoy the story, um, the, the, the curse of the black, black freighter or whatever it is um, in the middle there. It's yeah. gives, gives some interesting tonal shift as you're kind of going through the piece. Yeah. I mean, there's like the whole, the whole animated section. Where the where the kid reads the comic book, it's it's definitely something you cut out, but it's so artistically done. Yeah, and it was released when the movie came out. It was released as a separate thing, um, you know, it was a separate DVD. And whatever they've just cut it in for a new release, and that's cool. You know, they're making their money, but I I enjoy I enjoy the totality of things. You know, if I'm gonna watch a fucking Close Encounters movie, I'm gonna watch the two hour and eighteen minute version because that's the one that Steven Spielberg worked hard on as a as a director, you know, to, to give a director's cut. So like when I'm, when I'm going to watch a lot of things, you're going to watch the theatrical cuts. What are you fucking savage? <laughs> what are you a goddamn backwards ass person? Of course not. I do recommend um, though. I know a lot of people give a shit on this, but I do recommend for someone who hasn't watched the Lord of the Rings movies, watch the theatrical one. Start there. Yeah. And then if you dig it, you can go back and refill your bowl with the, the other ones. So Wait, um, like the bowl. Yeah, like your bowl, okay, like yeah. your bowl of good good Lord of the Rings cereal. You go back and go, can I have some more of that? Because it was fucking delicious. And you're like, ooh, there's a whole bunch of new shit in here. I didn't know they had this hoops. I heard something else. <laughs> Did you? <laughs> no, bowl, as in cereal bowl, you goddamn pervert. <laughs> um, what's number four? <laughs> what's number four? <laughs> Uh, what top superheroes would you like to see get busy? Fucking in any universe, superheroes to get busy. Um, uh, I don't know if it's a really like 
Really, Bucky and and Winter Soldier probably because I mean that's the same. It's the same person. The it's the same person. What did I say? Yeah, I want to see him. I just want to see him jerk off. <laughs> I just want to watch him jerk off. You said- no, sorry, Cap, Cap and Bucky. You know, just because it's they were leaning that way anyway. Um, absolutely, Harley and and Poison Ivy. Yeah, I mean, um, both of us for that. Yeah. And you know, let's get weird. Let's get weird with it. Let's just say um, that giant squid monster from um, uh, from Watchmen and Ego, the Living Planet, because he's a fuckhound anyway. How about you? So you've just widened my horizon. <laughs> I've gone intergalactic with it. Intergalactic, planetary, planetary, intergalactic. Oh, just two words repeated in different orders. It's also lyrics to to a Beastie Boys song. Oh, okay. <laughs> Did not know that. Yeah, um, it's a good track. It's actually the song that's in it's in the trailer for the Marvels. Oh. It's the Beastie Boys song, yeah, Intergalactic Planetary. Don't you ask me to smile. It's fucking it's baller. Just for the weird part, um, Swamp Thing and Carnage. Oh my god, that's a, there's tendrils going everywhere and goo and there's fucking trees going up people and moss and fucking all sorts of, ooh, botany. Oh, yeah, okay, cool, I'm into that. Yep, and I'm not going to elaborate. <laughs> if anybody could hear some weird noises then, it was me like acting out all the stuff, <laughs> like the fingering of whatever you want. <laughs> uh... Heavens above. How would you pitch an art house film with animals in it? How would I pitch an art house film with animals, with animals in yeah. it? Well, I mean, if it was an art house film, um, I would have it be completely silent. Um, and it would be like, it'd kind of be like EO, the, um, uh, the film that I saw earlier in the year, which is a, a film that's almost entirely from the perspective of a, a donkey. That starts out in a in a um, in a circus and then you know ends up sadly where he ends up. I won't ruin the movie because it really is a remarkable picture. But um, yeah, it would be it would be entirely silent for, from the animal's perspective, and it would probably be about a bear. About a bear. I think it'd be about a bear. Yeah, I think it'd be interesting to see a bear go from. A, I mean, they've done movies like that before, but to see a bear go from being a baby cub to a full grown Kodiak or something like that. I mean that'd be that'd be pretty amazing, and, and it pictures as an art house thing. It would be, you know, it would be verite. It would be you just see what happens. So not documentary, like there is a narrative built in, but the footage is shot verite. So it's just capturing these beautiful creatures in their natural environment without any any sort of um, uh, uh, influence or human interaction with them to kind of fuck them up. Yeah, that would be my pitch, and I would call it. Bare bones. Beat me to it. Swish. You beat me to it. Swish. <laughs> awesome. Was that it? That was it. That's it. That's it, folks. We're done for another day. We hope you enjoyed it and and, 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 it, and come back next week as well, whenever we're doing whatever the fuck we're doing. We've discovered at this point in time, we have no idea what we're doing beforehand and we figure it out like a few days in advance. And I like that. I love the spontaneity of that. It's, it's what it's all about. Um, so, yeah, thank you so much for listening again. As I say all the time, please comment, like, subscribe, all that annoying stuff that people tell you to do. Uh, rate and review wherever you get us. We greatly appreciate it. And, um, yeah, we'll be back next week with whatever the hell it is. Addy, you're a champion. You're amazing. You're amazing. 
um, a true love affair, a true internet love affair. And, um, you know, we're just, we're going to go and fuck on a giant owl goddamn spaceship thing now or, and, and, and swamp thing and carnage are involved as well. It's going to be amazing. Um, but no, I love you, buddy. Thank you so much for, for taking time out of your day to talk Watchmen with me and all this guff. Thank you for being here, man. Pleasure. Pleasure. We'll see you next time, folks. And remember, amazing it's DC.